This is Financial Detox, helping you retire with confidence. Featuring Jason Labrum, certified financial planner and founder of IDA Wealth, intelligence-driven advisors. For over 20 years, Jason has shown people how to steer clear of toxic advice, achieve financial peace of mind, and manage their wealth for maximum impact. Join Jason and co-host Alex Klingensmith as they simplify the complex, share industry secrets, and provide proven strategies designed to take you from financial insecurity to financial independence. This is Financial Detox. Hello and welcome to Financial Detox. I'm Jason Labram, your host in studio with Alex Klingensmith. You can get a hold of us at 877-707-8889. Check us out at financialdetox.com. Alex, thanks for being here. We got a good show today. Uh, I think we're going to unpack a a really good question that uh, we received this week from not only one, but two clients. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I was sitting here preparing for something we have coming up, Jason. We're going to do our our IDA virtual market update and panel discussion coming up on Tuesday, April 20th at 11 a.m. Yep. And I was starting to think about today's show as well and and the story that you're going to share. And it's interesting stuff because there's a lot of like not as heated topics as last year. (laughs) I don't think they're quite as controversial, but they're (laughs) right, you know, which is, which is actually really nice. And it's, this is kind of back in our wheelhouse. I feel like uh, numbers and money and and economies and stuff like that. Right. I agree. Yeah. Getting out of the, everybody um, complaining about everything else and COVID and all that. So it looks like we got a good end in sight. Anyway, uh, I think, I think that um, what we want to talk about today and let's, let's just bring it right out and get it started about started right away is this question that has come up. So you know, we work with about 1,300 families with their wealth management. And man, a lot of those families are and, and, and individuals are highly intelligent in businesses, um, engineers, doctors, lawyers, great, we just in, in business owners and all the likes, teachers, and we just have a bunch of great um, clients. And and so a lot of the content from Financial Detox, this show comes from what we're doing in our daily practice. You know, we're not just trying to entertain and have fun and give you information and financially detoxify you here on the show. But we're also uh, giving you just real live in practice working, um, you know, advice and guidance on, on what to do. So this particular question asked by a really smart person who, who posed, posed it to me in in a sense of a challenge. It was kind of fun, Alex, because he basically gave me a challenge. So here you go. Here's the challenge. The question was, here we are, with a country of a national debt of about $28.2 trillion, just released several trillion dollars for COVID response. And now there's talks of a $4 trillion recovery plan. Um, We have $85,000 in debt per citizen, um, per taxpayer, by the way, just to show you how few people actually pay taxes in our country, 224,000 of debt per taxpayer. And our deficit is 4.5 trillion and growing. This is this is unbelievable. So the question was, given all this Fed stimulus and spending and money supply, where do you think this takes us in 12 to 15, 12 to 18 months uh, with the markets? You know, is there is there blowback? Is there a repercussion for all of this spending, or is this a new paradigm and things are higher and and things are better because of it? So. That is the topic. Everybody's talking about inflation. Everybody's talking about the Fed spending and what's going to happen with the markets over the next year or two. What do you think, Alex? Well, 
I think it's, <laughs> I think just when you, just when you wrap your mind around one big concept like that, then, then they throw another one at you. Right. I mean, if you look at the news and the headlines today, um, the biggest thing is Biden's infrastructure proposal, which is another, I think, $2 trillion spending budget. Right. And that one's different than the COVID one. Right. I think the COVID one, so let's not confuse the two, but the COVID one was basically like the, the economy of the, of the nation needed an injection of, of money or that was the perceived, you know, perceived needed. Mm-hmm. So if you put $2 trillion or $4 trillion into the economy, I think obviously that's going to help markets personally. Because that money is just going to go into the hands of, of different people and businesses, and, and they're going to spend it, right? Probably. Not all, not, not all the people, but the general consensus is most of that money goes into buying goods and services, which are what publicly traded companies thrive off of, right? Yep, that is true. And um, it, even those who save it, the interesting paradigm is there is that helps the economy anyway, right? If they're investing in stocks, then those companies are using that money to, to advance their business. If they're investing in, in bonds or lending their money to organizations. So I guess there's an argument that, um, you know, there's a, there's a benefit either way. Um, so I, my concern when we talk about this question and we frame the question is where do we think we're going to be is like, how does this end, right? Do we just keep printing more money? and printing more money and printing more money and having more stimulus and more benefits and more, be- where, where does that end, right? What happens, when do we have to actually take the medicine, so to speak, and make the economy work for itself? In other words, taxpayers generate enough tax revenue that it uh, supplies the government with the money they need and people have jobs and are employed and starting businesses and all that happens naturally as opposed to unnaturally because that's really the question right we have artificial stimulation and how long can that last and is it sustainable and is it uh is it going to have a really negative repercussion down 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 the road well so before the before the pandemic hit this country um and when it hit it hit really hard and really fast right i mean the entire country just shut Mm -hmm. down but I remember reading, and my memory is a little foggy from a year ago, as are most people. <laughs> but I remember reading and hearing some pretty smart economists that were describing this as a, a you know, there's supply side and demand side recessions, right? And they were describing it as the type of recession where the economy was actually really healthy and the markets were really healthy before the pandemic hit. So if the government well, maybe the best markets we'd ever had, the best economy we've ever had, the lowest unemployment across all ethnicity yeah. groups, ethnic like, groups. That's it's right. Unbelievable short memories we have, right? To go think about that and try to remember what was it like before the pandemic only a year and, you know, a year and three weeks ago or two weeks ago. But I think, I think that's the part where if you, if you really get into the economics of it and try to, and I don't pretend to be an economist, but, um, but I understand some of this stuff, I think pretty, pretty decently well, but if the economy was really well and the markets were really doing really well before the pandemic and the pandemic happened and there was this like basically quick and almost artificial evaporation of, of demand, but it was a forced evaporation of demand, then the government's filling in a gap of time with money. If the money gets you know, kind of created out of thin air or printed, um, creating this, this debt, how do we pay off debt? How does anybody pay off debt over time? Over time is the first answer, right? Right, right. Over yeah. time, how? Well, through taxes, through- Eventually you have to, well, and eventually you have to consider the fact that we're running a deficit, right? So it's not like, it's, this is like an individual. People need to think of it in individual terms, I believe, to help like, you know, make this, um, realistic. So if you made $100,000 a year in income, but yet you spent 
$125,000 a year in income, you are running a personal deficit, right? Your debt is continuing to grow. Yes. And right now our federal deficit is 4.5 trillion. That's not good, right? <laughs> so Yeah, but and you know we, what that is in, in debt to and so GDP would be like income then for the person, right? Correct. So income yeah. so GDP is about 21 trillion and the ratio is I guess what we're looking at is 130% leveraged. <laughs> right. Every <laughs> so year debt like to that's GDP. a continue a continual thing. So this is the question. This is what we need to unpack. We've got to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to continue to talk about the fact that we have all this federal stimulus. Now it looks like about a $2 trillion expense for infrastructure spending from Biden on top of the recent two whatever trillion dollars who can keep track nowadays uh, <laughs> of money for COVID. That was on top of the previous $2 trillion for COVID. So or one point, whatever. So here we are spending money, spending money. Where are the markets in 12 to 18 months? We'll give you our best guess and we'll uh, talk about it as we come back from a break. It's Financial Detox. Grab us at 877-707-8889. That's 877-707-8889. The Financial Detox team and Intelligence Driven advisors can help you get financially detoxed. We'll be right back. Alex and Jason, Financial Detox, and we're trying to figure out where the markets are going to be in 12 to 15 months, given all of this magical and wonderful stimulus that we're getting from the Fed. Remember the old saying, Alex, <laughs> the saying of don't fight the Fed. You can't fight the Fed. You know, it's interesting because not only did we want to talk about this question today, which was brought up to us by a client, which is where do you think we're going to be in 12 to 15 months, right? Do we, do we lean conservative or do we lean aggressive in our portfolio? I told the client, my initial response was, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be, you know, we never know. We don't try to predict the markets, but we try and understand where we are in the global macroeconomic cycle and tilt our portfolio slightly one way or another. The question here was, you know, should we be more aggressive? So what do we think we'll be? I said, I believe we're at about a 50-50 chance of being higher. Where normally, if you ask me where the market's going to be 12 months from now, under, under what I would call my market neutral, I would say we have a 74% chance of being higher. And the reason why is because 74% of one-year periods are positive. And if you look at two-year periods, it goes to 80. And if you look at the well, that's period, a cop-out of an answer then. That's totally it's a cop-out. <laughs> well, we made it. We did our prediction show. We don't have to do it again. <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to give you the number that is the average number. The middle of the road. I can't be There's wrong. There's no betting right? there. <laughs> yeah, right. No, yeah, 50-50. I'm right either way. I told you. <laughs> that's that's the problem with predicting. And here's what, so this, this, this client who asked the question, where do we think it's going to be due to all this stimulus? Very smart person. So I think we're going to be higher. I think that this is going to be really good for the economy. I think it's going to be great. And then we, so then let's talk about why. Like we, we started to break down, well, I said, well, why do you think so? You know, and he, he went on to mention that people, the general public doesn't care how much debt the government has. They really don't. <laughs> they just care how well they're doing and how much money's in their pocket. Right. And, and, and how much they can buy and what can they do? That's what the general public is thinking about. So whether the government has 28 trillion or we get up to 32 two or 31 trillion in debt, the general public doesn't really care. It doesn't change whether they go to dinner or not. They're not going, oh, no, I have a lot of debt. I got to stop. The government has a lot of debt and, and I'm a taxpayer. So 224,000 of that is my share. I'm not going to go out to dinner tonight. People don't do that. 
right? They just go, well, oh, more money supply, money easier in the to short get. term. Eventually, it, eventually, it matters though, right? I mean, eventually, it will it will have effects on all of us if it goes on for too long to the point Why? where it's and how. I think I think we'll. I mean, the biggest and most most obvious one is is taxes, right? That depending on the the platform that a party is going to run on. Unfortunately, I said party there, and I didn't say president or or you know, <laughs> it's the party. If the party's running on a platform, depending on how they're going to win their the election for whatever it is, president or senator, house. I mean, they're they're going to either going to be pro taxes or against taxes for different reasons, and so that's the the simplest, fastest way to pay off debt is 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 increased taxes, right? That's increasing your revenue, increasing your GDP, right? But it's not. And and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I looked at a bunch of numbers yesterday on increasing taxes, like astronomically, the Biden's tax plan and how it won't work. Um, because the problem is you can't tax rich people enough to even make a difference. You just can't. Um, there's not enough uh, taxes and enough income out there, you have to tax everybody. And that's what the, uh, the Democrats try to say they're not going to do, right? We're not going to tax everybody, but yet we are totally taxing everybody through um, gases, right? Through food, through higher cost of things, because we're now going to be, I think it's like 52 days or something, we're going to not be a energy independent country anymore, which is raising gas prices as everybody can see across the country. Well, that's a real tax, right? That's a real tax that hurts the guy making 50,000 a lot more than it hurts the guy making 250,000. Well, so I think you just agreed with me in your own way, though. I said taxes <laughs> go up and that's the, that's the effect it has on on all of us, yeah, this, yeah, this yeah, national yeah. debt. Now you you can define taxes however you want. They can hide it and, and manipulate it and, and bait and switch us all they want, but that's what ends up happening. We end up paying for it somehow. Yeah. How about this? Did you know the top one percent paid more income taxes than the bottom ninety percent combined? That's according well, that, to the Tax Policy Center. Seventy-six point four million people, forty-four percent, did not pay any federal income tax in 2018. So, what what do we mean when we talk about people paying their fair share? One percent of the income earners pay nine more than ninety percent of people in tax. So, yeah, that my point there is just that. You can't just raise taxes, traditionally speaking, and without raising them for everybody in the country. It's a, it's a, it's a pickle. Remember the old uh, one million, one billion, one trillion seconds, and and mm -hmm. and how big the difference is between a million and a billion and a trillion, and yet we talk about thirty trillion of debt, like as if it's some number we can comprehend. Um, pretty tough to comprehend. So. I think you're right, Alex. I think eventually it has to come back to us some way, some shape, some form. Um, but here's another argument. Here's a thought. What about the fact that if we could borrow money for a home purchase at 3%, would you ever recommend that somebody pay that hurry and rush to pay off that home loan at 3%? No. And we, and we go through this exercise and this is really more of just kind of a behavioral finance conversation with our clients and, and the ongoing financial planning that we do. Right. We look at the debt structure. We look at the, the long-term plan and the math never, never works. Or it, no, I shouldn't say never. The math hasn't worked in a long, long time. Ever since I've been in this industry, basically, I'm, I'm sure the math worked in the eighties when interest rates were ultra high and market yeah. returns were the expectations were probably in line with what they are right now which is that your average 60-40 portfolio should return 
somewhere around seven or eight percent a year on average with some volatility in there. But if you can average seven or eight percent in a relatively moderate strategy, why would you then take that money and pay off debt that's only three percent? partially deductible even you know it doesn't make sense the math doesn't work <laughs> yeah so. it doesn't yeah you don't pay off three percent debt so how about this then i mean if you think about all this stimulus and spending right where is the federal government getting the money number one they are printing it right and they're creating new money supply but they're also selling treasuries and they're selling u.s bonds that's when the u.s government borrows money and so isn't there an argument then that says, well, if the federal government is borrowing money at two and a half percent for 20 years, that's pretty phenomenal. Or for 10 years, for 20 years, in, in, you know, between the 10 and 30 year treasury. Isn't that phenomenal? And shouldn't they borrow as much as they possibly can? <laughs> uh, until the math doesn't work. And, and those numbers, you just add a few more zeros. But but yeah, if the government is is kind of crippled by its debt service, then that actually will affect all of us in other negative potential ways, which means like, what does the government, what do we rely on the government for? Like, you know, infrastructure, like roads and defense against countries that are trying to hurt us. Like that would be really scary to me as if we couldn't service our own debt to the point where we had to cut back on the military or the roads or the, you know, all the stuff. Right. Right. So the question then is, is the government borrowing money on the treasury at 30 years for 2.4%? Are they able to use that money in a way that is going to invest? Are they going to invest it so that it ultimately pays them back more than 2.4%? Jason Labram and Alex Klingensmith and we're the financial detox team at Intelligence Driven Advisors. Now is a really good time to get a second opinion on your portfolio and make sure that you're not exposed to too much risk. Today, we're talking about a great question that came across our desk from a client this week, just asking, what are we going to do? What's this market going to look like in 12 to 18 months, given this massive federal stimulus and and, and a, maybe a potentially 30 trillion, I almost said million, $30 trillion uh, national debt. And we left the conversation, Alex, with you and I talking about, well, if the, if the government's able to borrow money at 1.7% for 10 years, that's a heck of a good rate, right? Shouldn't it borrow a bunch of money? And if it can borrow money for 30 years at 2.4%, shouldn't it borrow a bunch of money? And I guess the question is, yes, if it's taking its money and investing it in something that's going to deliver more than a 1.7 or more than a 2.4% rate of return. Yeah, which I mean, the first part of that, so the, the pandemic part of it, and I was kind of blurring it together a little bit, but that's okay, that's okay I think. And injecting five, six, ten trillion dollars, whatever it ended up, ends up being for for the COVID relief of this country, I think that's a bet on on the U.S. Uh, economy, on the people, on like the, the publicly traded companies that are going to be averaging more than more than that, whatever they're borrowing it at. I would take that bet. If it was me, I would think that the, the GDP growth will average much more than what what they're paying on that debt. The second bet is the one where you know, for example, this infrastructure plan that's in the headlines today. Um, you know, is it worth borrowing two trillion dollars? Do you think that we can get our money out of that by being be having more efficient infrastructure? So our current infrastructure costs us a lot of money, right? Can it yeah. can it be done in a better way? And it can it bring jobs more jobs to the country itself. Yeah, I think that um, we have a, a, a problem with taking federal money and using it for unemployment to people who are not motivated to go back to work. That is not a good return on investment. 
right? Mm-hmm. If, if I give money, like the old story, if you teach a man to fish, you'll feed him for his whole life. If you give a man a fish, you'll feed him for one day. If we give people money and we don't teach them how to get back out to work and be con- positive contributing members to society, then we have a problem. And unfortunately, I think in today's society, we have a problem of uh, apathetic laziness and entitlement where people are trying to get money for free. They think they are actually deserving of free money and they want to sit around and smoke pot and play video games and somehow um, the world owes it to them. And that's not a good investment on our, uh, our money because it's not going to help the government subsequently make more revenues, which it gets from really a couple of different places, right? It gets money from taxes. Um, and, and if it's, if it's taxing, it, it makes more money. And it also, uh, you got payroll taxes, corporate income taxes, individual taxes, excise taxes. Um, this is where the government's getting that money, their actual income. So you have to have more people making money and contributing to the system, AKA more taxpayers, not 40% of our population paying tax, but more like 80% paying tax. And then all of a sudden this thing may work. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one, right? There's, here's the end. I think that we, we talk about all the time is unfortunately trying to predict the market and the outcomes of the market is there's just probably 10,000 or tens of thousands of other variables besides just government spending that are going to affect the outcome of the market. So even though we get one right, if we did, if we unpack this and we got it just perfect and we, and we got it right, it's, um, it becomes extremely difficult uh, given all the other potential variables, you know, I mean, another COVID, who knows, right? Um, a, a major just recession, a spike in interest rates, therefore the home housing market slows down and all the real estate agents aren't making money anymore. And, and you know, office space and commercial uh, real estate brokers who sell office space are, are struggling. So there's, um, there's so many factors that can change the ball that I think it brings us back to where we always go back to that there's a way you don't have to try and guess what the market's going to be in six or 12 or 18 months. You don't have to guess. And the way is to build a disciplined investment philosophy that over time is really diversified and it gives you the ability to weather storms and it gives you the ability to create income regularly, whether the market's up or down. Happy Easter. And we have our um, event. Are we going to post that on our website at uh, IDA Well, so or even financialdetox.com, so uh, listeners can tune in to our panel market discussion, which is going to be taking place on what were the dates, Alex? Yeah, we're going to do April twentieth at eleven a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's by registration only, so we'll invite you to attend. But if you are a competitor, you will not be allowed in. There you go. All right. Fair enough. And because uh, that's where the secret sauce is going to happen. All right. So uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Honestly, we want to save space. It is, a, it is a space capacity issue thing. So we want to save space for those that are actually really interested and potentially seeing if we're a good mutual fit or you're already a client because we want to obviously communicate to our clients and, and, uh, and tell them what's on our mind on topics just like the one we covered today. That sounds great. If you want to get on that, give us uh, shoot us an email to Jason at financialdetox.com. That's Jason at financialdetox.com. To learn more about Financial Detox and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and resources, visit FinancialDetox.com. 
Call Jason and the team at Intelligence Driven Advisors. If you're ready for financial detox and a better tomorrow, call 877-707-8889. Get answers to your questions. That's 877-707-8889. That's financialdetox.com for podcasts and information. And if you like what you've heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That way, you'll be notified about upcoming podcasts. You'll take one more step toward financial peace of mind. This content is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any types of securities. Mr. Labram and intelligence-driven advisors are not responsible for the consequences of any decisions or actions taken as a result of information provided in this program and do not warrant or guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information provided. The information discussed today reflects the views of Mr. Labram and his guests as of the date of the show and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any forward-looking statement statements or forecasts are based on assumptions, and actual results may vary from any such statements or forecasts. No reliance should be placed on any statements or forecasts when making an investment decision. Accordingly, listeners should not rely solely on information provided today in making any investment decisions. There is a risk of loss of investing in securities, including the risk of loss of principal. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will be profitable or suitable for particular investors, financial situation, or risk tolerance. Asset allocation and portfolio diversification cannot assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses.